What's going on, guys, and welcome back. The July season starts today, and we'll be breaking down the new season pass card and break down is it worth purchasing, as well as all the new cards coming this month with the new spotlight caches. They're going to be more accessible than ever, and we're going to rate them and how we see them impacting the meta. We're also going to be breaking down Infinity Conquest. This last week has been insane. We're going to talk about good decks, strategies, and our overall opinion on the game mode as we close out this season. We're we'll going to be talking about all this today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. Hello. Happy July. Happy four, uh, uh, Canada Day. Is that your 4th of July? Yeah. Yeah, it's on July 1st. But yes, it's definitely is Canada Day weekend here. Is it the same? It's the same. Is it fireworks? Is it the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Fireworks. We even wave the American flag. If you believe that? No. <laughs> yeah. It's basically the same. We we have fireworks, the whole thing, barbecues. It's been a wild weekend, but I love it. It's like a very family oriented weekend. You know, uh, the kids are swimming, hot dogs are on the BBQ, burgers are getting flipped. It's, it's a great time. Cozy. Did you enjoy some nice sandwiches? Hot dogs? Yeah, I did. I did. Honestly, not a lot of mail usage on the uh, the hot dog sandwiches this time around. But what I will tell you is my wife and I, we purchased something called Mayo Chup, which I thought was pretty cool. It's basically mayo and ketchup in one. And it's basically a, a condiment for the uh, the hot dog sandwich. And it was a hit. Honestly, people loved it. I, like, what do you do when you're Heinz ketchup? You know, like you can't reinvent yourself. So they're like, hey, let's just experiment. And do Is it Mayo Chup? Is that better than KO? Yeah, probably. Ketcho? Ketcho's better than Maychup. They must have done the research here. I would dare to assume that they know that Mayo Chup sounded better than whatever the hell you just tried to say. Like a $6 million research R&D. That probably, again, what is what is Heinz buying these days? Okay, good stuff, man. Well, uh, happy 4th of July for all the U.S. listeners. It's Monday, so it's tomorrow. It's in an awkward... Holidays are weird when they're like on a Tuesday. Dude, we've got some uh, good subjects today. We have July, the brand new season. So we're going to be talking the new season pass card that comes out tonight. We'll also be talking about all the new cards coming out this season. Uh, sprinkle in a little bit of spotlight caches and then uh, just talk about July as a whole. And uh, bro, it's the season of fire. What are we going to be talking about on your side of the channel, uh, Mr. Alex? On my video, we're actually going to be talking about the season pass cards ranked, which I think is super important. We're going to go all the way back in history. We're going to rank the season pass cards and where we feel that they land in terms of overall power, utility, and whatnot. We're also going to talk about our favorite cards this season. It's been a wild season. Move season was always going to be wild. And we're going to talk about our favorite cards that have really risen our spirits and our rank throughout the season. And then finally, we're going to talk about the quality of life changes that we want most in Marvel Snap. Cozy and I both agree that like Marvel Snap is a fantastic game, but overall there are a few things that can most definitely be improved on to make the game just a little bit more user-friendly. Cozy, we need to take a moment before we get started with the Marvel Snap stuff because we have to do a little bit of an airing of grievances. Okay. Last week on the Snapchat, you called me out for wearing running shoes on the beach. Now, I didn't think this was going to be that much of a hot take. Okay, I didn't think it was going to be that much of a hot take, but apparently wearing running shoes on the beach, and I'm quoting, is serial killer style stuff. It is. So imagine my surprise. I'm watching Cozy Gamer, just like anyone else should be. When I see you, my friend, walking on the beach with your running shoes on, I have video evidence. It is unmistakable. You are wearing running shoes on the beach. I'm going to give you a chance to defend yourself because you've earned that. So please, <laughs> sir, explain to me what the hell is this monstrosity? I love that. <laughs> I love the fact that you were like, I could just see you up at like 2 a.m. You know, like the, the Charlie Day uh, with the strings, like the, the, with the, he's attached to the red strings. He's like, see, the, yeah, I can explain. I can explain. Listen, I don't wear, I don't wear shoes on the beach. This was a one-off 
This was a one-off and I happen to have it on document, I guess. I used to do, so before I did Marvel Snap, I did a lot of variety content. And listen, if you don't know me uh, and if you meet me eventually, I don't have a nervous bone in my body. I'll talk to anybody. I just, I love just conversation. I, I, I'm never nervous or anxious. I used to go to the beach and I would set up a booth that had Mario Kart and I would challenge strangers to Mario Kart on the beach. And if they beat me, they got money. It was a lot of fun, man. It was the peak absolute... Eventually, I got to do it with Marvel Snap. So, this photo, I was I was cruising the beach for some participants, which I found. I, I'll have you know. And yes, I wasn't going to wear sandals. Nobody trusts somebody that wears sandals, even if it's at the beach. Like, if I were to roll up like, hey, ladies, instantly, I'm a different kind of serial killer. So, I... You caught me. You, 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 you caught me. And I haven't seen this in so long, but this was, uh, it was good to, good to go down uh, memory lane. When I was trying to like make my own defenses for you, I was like, you know what? But if he's setting up on the side of the beach, technically like on the boardwalk, one might say, is he technically at the beach? But if you say I'm going to the beach, I think the boardwalk counts, right? And the fact that you ultimately ended up on the sand, I don't know, Cozy. I had to bring it up because... Touché. I mean, look at this. Look at this photograph. Touche. I, I apparently Thanos Crocs are a big hot take as well, you know, and, and I got blasted a little bit. And, and you know what? Someone's like, uh, like, I thought I liked you. Now I don't. Unsubscribed. I was like, uh, <laughs> honestly, the funniest thing I saw who needs was it? cozy does look like he would wear Crocs. <laughs> Damn it. But also, thank you. All right. Don't knock them till you try them. That's all I have to say. I was a, I was a hater. I was a hater before it, Alex. But, you know, anyway, we uh, we probably digress. But this is my favorite part of the whole uh, Snapchat is getting called out for wearing shoes on the beach. All right, Alex. Well, it's the July season pass. And our new season pass card is Phoenix Force, which is a five cost card. You know, notably, we don't have a lot of high cost season pass cards. Means we're going to play it a little bit less. Uh, but I think this thing has some uh, potential, and it's got some synergy, and it's got some interesting mechanics. What are your, like, your first thoughts on the card, and then we'll talk about like other card combos we see working. My first original impressions are that this seems like it'd be very complex to play. I feel like the play pattern behind it is surprisingly complex. Uh, the deck synergies, I think, are going to be very intricate. I mean, in the example video, they showcase something like a Human Torch getting blown up and then Phoenix Force. That seems very obvious, but I think the true power of the card will be unlocked with very niche synergies. And I think it's going to be difficult to pilot. I think that the deck building considerations are massive, and that's what I love. I love when a card is released and it's not like solved. It's not like, well, well, that's a human torch card or that's like we've had cards that like have kind of been like immediately obvious as to what their intentions and how they're played. This one feels like a wide open landscape. Yeah, for sure. And what's interesting, too, is I feel like more often than not, like a card is destroyed in a game between locations, Shang-Chi, Killmonger. Like there's a bunch of things that can get cards destroyed, right? Uh, a, a six power. Let's just start there. Like look at it for what it is. It's definitely below average for five cost cards, right? We've got like a Captain Marvel over here. So if you just like whiff and it does nothing, then you have that on curve that didn't do anything. And then you have this kind of safety get. I think there's some interesting conversations there. So on reveal, revive one of your destroy cards and merge with it, right? So think of a Hulkbuster, guys. This isn't going to replace the cost. Uh, you can't revive something that didn't die. So that's Deadpool, Wolverine, and Sabretooth even can't uh, come back. Uh, and this is going to be make it move each turn that you're able to somehow at past turn five. So most of the time you could probably just move it on turn six, which is kind of cool. It makes anything a vision. 
which what is vision's best point right is that you can play mind games uh let me open up is this like gonna make vision worse it feels like it'd make vision worse because like i mean vision's a five seven right and uh this one's gonna have the the reproc of the on reveal effect of the card that it revives also be mobile while also adding its power so i mean it's always going to be basically over five seven unless like what you're reviving a watu is <laughs> even then it's more it's a five eight so yeah i feel like it's kind of like it's a bit of power creep on vision slightly but it does require a little more moving parts to get it there yeah but it's like almost like captain marvel and vision may finally have to be looked at they, they uh, i know snow guard originally was going to make like a mini vision they've been experimenting with like trying to get this done and now we have this. Now, there's obviously going to be just immediate synergy with move and destroy, right? Which is cool. I actually did not look at this season and think, hey, move gets another kind of small bonus. But dude, I got to say, I think that immediately I like the idea of having something like multiple man being able to be spread. So that's like a nine power multiple man twice. That's 18 power. If you somehow can ramp it out, right? And you destroy him, then I don't know. You play a ramp card. Get it out, then you can move him, and you got something crazy going on. Craven, sure, like what, an extra little small boost of power. There's just interesting, like Dagger, the low cost that you even have the chance to destroy, because realistically, you can work with one and two cost cards, maybe three in there, destroy it on four, bring it back on five. That's going to be the most logical or practical way of doing it, yeah? So what are some cards that you see outside of Dagger and Multiple Man uh, that you like when i was looking at this card i got super excited for one of my favorite cards in marvel snap that i feel like cozy i'm the only one that plays i'm the only one that pulls this card out and i used to hide it behind invisible woman because i didn't want it to get destroyed yes but atuma dude yes if we think about what atuma does right like you basically force feed atuma into a death right <laughs> It's a turn four play that I think works very well in conjunction with Phoenix Force because it's played on turn five. It's not an obvious thing. And now you have this 10 additional power. Well, I guess this is uh, 17 power in total. No, sorry, 16 power in total. Good math there, Alex. But uh, I was thinking about Vision being 5-7. Uh, so we have 16 power that can now move while also propping up the other winner in this Phoenix Force card, which is Null. You're adding 10 power to Null on turn six. You've got the Atuma blowing up on turn four, and on turn five, you're bringing it back with mobility? Cozy, am I wrong to think that this is one of the top synergies available for this card? So I love it outside. I love it because it's kept in check because Atuma still has to be in his own lane, right? So you can bring him back. The guy still has to be in his own lane. So moving him around, you're kind of like limited more a little bit to your opponent if they want to still Shang-Chi it. But as far as just like base core, like this is where some like interesting decks are coming out. Yeah, dude, Atuma was on my list. Loved it. I think this was a very interesting card because he's one of those. Uh, him and the next card I want to talk about are like ones that destroy, but and they're getting destroyed, right? And you don't have to commit anything to destroy that. So like uh, talk about the biggest thing about it, right? Is you just let him kill himself, right? <laughs> like Atuma is just going to like nope out and then you're able to uh, have him as a 16 power you know, vision in some sorts, right? It's such an interesting card, Alex, because there's ones that we could easily go crazy about. Like, Galactus, oh my god. But here's the thing. How are you going to destroy these cards, right? And I think uh, we'll break that down after we talk about some more combos. Like, how is this actually going to be feasible? There's a lot of potential, right? But, like, I think that the, the like, Arnold Zola also is a huge potential, like, massive kind of synergy here in interesting ways. Because if you can cheat out the Artem Zola on turn five, and then you have the Phoenix Force on turn six, but like the way that combo actually shows itself, like is it Venom? You know, is it, I'm not sure. Like, I don't have an answer. Like, this is one of those cards, like we really want to play with. But what I will say is like, 
the, I think I come back to null again. Yeah. Because like even with the Atuma situation, you could forcibly destroy the Phoenix Force by moving into, just to ramp your null in another location. So like let's say you, you have a stormed location that you've won, you could actually move the Phoenix Force to intentionally destroy it while playing null into the location you want to challenge. So like there's really interesting kind of like ways to move around like with flexibility. Like, I just, I don't know, but Dude, I'm telling you, so, I think this card's like going to be complicated. Ramp. So it's like destroy ramp, I think, is what's going to be evolved, right? Because a lot of these cards are kind of higher cost cards, and it, it all goes back to Kingpin because you have this self-activator, right? Like, you have a way to, uh, kind of like Atuma. It's just a way to destroy the card. Bro, and then, yeah, with Arnim Zola, what's the biggest problem lately, right? It's like, oh, man, the, the odds of having a lane by yourself is so rare these days. But then you would essentially be able to create that a lot easier, whether you're moving the Phoenix out or moving it in. And then, yeah, you have this Null as a safety gate, which is already being used a little bit now, but I feel like it brings even more dependency or, or more reliability with that. Dude, I think we're onto something. I think we're cooking, and I know we just did this here, but I think we've got a little, like, a destroy rampish package. The other thing I think, too, is obviously you want to ramp this out, right? Electro, wave, sure. The, the one that I'm interested in is Lockjaw, because there are some destroy Lockjaw builds out there, but having this come out of Lockjaw... And then you can move it and get more cards out of Lockjaw. And then that card either brought back something that you destroyed. Kind of interesting. I think that could definitely have some synergy. I like the idea of using Lockjaw. I do. But it brings into the question, though, that the uh, the selection of the uh, the destroyed card is going to be random, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're playing, like, Thanos Lockjaw and you killmonger your own stones or something like that, like, if you bring back a stone, is that really that valuable? Like, it, there's some, I mean, I think that that's kind of like a balancing factor. Like, you just can't destroy everything because then you're just going to, you know, you're not going to bring back what you intend to. But if you can control what you want to destroy and you know, like, it's kind of like Ghost Rider. When you control your discard, when you're discarding Agatha, like, you know, with Ghost Rider, you're bringing Agatha back. And I think that that becomes really valuable. So, like, with like, what's the key kind of deck that you see with Lockjaw that you feel like is going to give you that control that, like, makes it that valuable? Yeah, no. So, like, that's, yeah, that's a good question, right? And when can you do this? Like, when is this actually plausible? And how do you make your chances better with, like, Jubilee or whatever to get double pulls out of the Lockjaw? It would have to be either a late lockjaw. I don't even know how much it matters. Yes, it matters which card comes back. But even like a one-cost card, it's still like movable. You're making a vision, right? Like that's how I, I think of it. It's another way, it's another thing to come out of lockjaw that benefits from destruction. I think it's the, the thing that I'm looking at the most. And then if you high roll, like hell yeah, right? Like it just kind of works out. That also just made me get a little giddy about Iron Lad again. I'm like, dude... I love Iron Lad. The fact that he could just be every card in the game is also kind of nutty. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, as far as the, the destroyed build, the destroyed Thanos is probably where I would uh, potentially see him as. A Soul Stone I could move around, some kind of unique combinations like that. What I want to see is because this reactivates on reveal, right? Let's look at these on reveal cards and kind of start here. Like, which ones when they come back are going to have like some of the most like, wow, that is actually going to be kind of nice. And of course, you could do this with everything, but realistically, right? Like what is going to be plausible to kind of get cooking a little bit? Uh, obviously, Mr. Sinister, we do know from like Iron Lad, it does, it's a direct clone. So this would be a 2-8 at that point, right? So uh, th that's kind of one. Yeah, Brood is going to be the exact same vein. So it's those interesting. Obviously, anything that's a zero cost that now comes back for a second time, uh, and then you're able to have power attached to that, Kind of, kind of, kind of hot. Not gonna lie, kind of love it. Let's. I, I'm scrolling here, Alex, and you just you stop me when you see something like, "Hey, wait a minute, 
And again, it's around these cards, right? It's these four-ish cost cards. What about, I feel like some Silver Surfer stuff going on. There's already like that really cool like Surfer Destroy deck. I don't know if you've seen it with like the Sabertooth. And the, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it right? Cool. Venom, you got Sabertooth. There's a lot of three costs there. Being able to get a Surfer back for a second reveal, a second boost up is kind of kind of interesting, man. I, I think you're right. I think this is not an obvious card. There are obvious synergies with the card. Obvi you know, obviously. <laughs> There's obvious synergies, obviously. Uh, it's obvious. Yeah, exactly. Um, but where my head goes, Alex, is, is on a normal game of Snap, if I get this in my opening hand, I'm going to try to destroy something on four that I played on three, and then you play on five, right? So does that mean just getting a... Ah, dude, but you don't want to get Maximus... You, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is get Maximus triggering twice, right? But in theory, you'd have a 13 power movable card pretty easily. I would argue that Maximus triggering twice doesn't mean anything. Because once he triggers once, you've probably stacked their hand. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, so like what value? Maybe they're drawing one extra card, but you have a massive movable card on turn five. So I mean, it's not crazy. And if you've destroyed a Maximus, then already you're starting off with your null. Maybe you're playing Yondu on one. You snipe like a, you know, a, you know, whatever rock slide. You add five power there. Like, I think there's value in that. Like, I, I wouldn't rule out like something like a Maximus. And this is what's interesting about Phoenix Force. Like, you're kind of debating between, okay the value of the on-reveal effect versus the straight-up movable power that you gain when you destroy that card and bring it back. Like, yeah. it's a really interesting card. Like, that's what has got a, kind of got my head kind of wound is that, like, you have these on-reveal effects, you have the power, and they're often kind of at odds with each other. Like, Max, Maximus is an incredibly strong three-cost card because of its extremely negative effect, right? What about, I'm just staring at him. I just see him and I'm like, wait a second. What about Vulture? What about an, is it an 18 power, 19 power vulture? Because think about this. You play Iron Fist on two, whatever you need to do. All good, great gravy. Move it, kill it. It merges. So that's eight plus six is 14. Plus you move it again. That's five. So it's a 19 power. You're going to move it again into any lane for 19 power. So it's a card that, and again, I, I say vulture. Obviously, we already said multiple man and dagger. And it's like, well, no crap vulture. But it's another car that just directly benefits that you can boost before you do the move. It, uh, it absolutely does. And um, I, I think it's like it comes down to like, what do you destroy on turn four? That makes the most sense, right? And like, can you really destroy like you'd usually play Vulture on turn four because you'd be playing the Iron Fist with Vulture. Right? That's kind of usually how it's played. But if you get it on turn three, what do you do on turn four that destroys it? Yeah, hear me out. Ready for this? Dude, this is wild. I'm ready. This is not going to be something you could do all the time. But think about playing Iron Fist on two, Vulture on three. Wait for it. Ghost Spider on four and Carnage. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah, okay. So it's possible. That, it that is like snappable. You yeah. move it again, dude. That would be like a 24 Vulture at that point. That's, that's a, pretty insane. That is wow. To think Vulture could be. But I mean... Kind of. And Vulture uh, is one that you can move early, opposed to like Dagger, right? That doesn't really have, like, there, there's not enough setup on the board for Dagger. Uh, but okay, so we just sat here and we came up with two things that I know we both weren't thinking before we sat in these chairs. So that's exactly what you were talking about. I think the card on paper, it, it feels like Nimrod, but more, way more, way more possibility, yeah? Yeah, and something that we're not really touching on that much here is that, like, it's also a defensive card to some degree because if something gets Shang-Chi'd, that card comes back, right? However, in my experience, and, like, I mean, I know we're both Zabu and Jory's out there, but, like, with Zabu Shang-Chi, it comes down to three costs. 
I'm playing my Shang-Chi's almost exclusively on turn six. I feel like I am. Yeah. Sometimes if Monster Island's out there and I, it just curves perfectly, I'll just punch out the monster and that's fine. But if they just bring that monster back and now it's mobile on turn five and six, then all of a sudden, you know, things are looking a little down south. So I do think the Phoenix Force has potential to be a defensive card, but the offensive capabilities are pretty fantastic as well. But like, I keep coming back to the fact that this is a very complex card. And I think it's one that like will not be immediately figured out. And I think that it's going to be like the type of card that we're like three weeks down the line. People will be like, wait a minute. Yeah. I think we just broke the meta. This is the deck. And then it comes out, right? Because I think the first few days of experimentation are going to be wild. Yeah. You bring up a point I definitely want to talk about. And it's cool, dude. Even just sitting here, I'm like a mojo. You kill a mojo. You have a 2-8 mojo that now you can forcefully move into a lane where you can get maybe a little bit better. There are. There's going to be a lot of kind of like who is going to be the smartest person to come up with these weird, essentially hybrid destroy decks. Everything's going to be like hybrid destroy. I think Venom and Carnage will be the mainstays in those kind of weird decks. Already good value cards. Already counter things like uh, Hobgoblin. So not bad cards to put in. But the, the, the we'll move on. But the thought process you said is you also have a card that's just a 5-6 in value. You also have a card that protects you if someone does have to play Shung a little early. Or if you get that, that you built that Nebula up, right? And, and, you know, sometimes you play Killmonger on 5 and 4, you know? You have to set up some other things. You want to put the Null down on 6. So now you have this insurance for your Sunspot, your Nebula, you know, I, I, I kind of like that aspect too, even if nothing destroys, or for once, Alex, for the love of God, there was never something like, dude, I don't know about you, but you start a game and uh, you see this little guy come out and you're like, well, there goes that card, he's done. But now you have a way to directly counter a pretty common card. What about something like Black Widow? Where like, you're not really adding that much power, but on turn five, you're preventing their turn six draw. I think that could be pretty insane. And while also adding a card to their hand, possible Ronin synergy. I don't know. I'm just thinking, just uh, spitballing ideas here. Cards that don't feel good to play on five, but you get to play now with power and move. Yeah, for sure. Like the possibilities are endless. The last note I want to say before moving to the other cards coming out this month, guys, that, you know, I know people are already ready for the comments. So like, here we go. You forgot one card to talk about. I think this significantly boosts up one card in particular that we haven't talked about. And it so happens to be in the same family. And that's the X-Men family. Negasonic. This is the easiest card to, to have hand selection of destruction, right? You play this on three, you can destroy whatever you want on four. And just whatever you want. Play a card down, it's dead, it's gone. It could be a Dark Hawk. It could be whatever you want. And it makes it a lot easier to have that hand selected destruction, right? And Spider-Man 2099, dude. You throw him on Negasonic, kill it, and then you can move it to any lane and get a free destruction. Kind of hot. That is kind of cool. I never really thought about Negasonic, but I mean, you'd have to kind of 50-50 the Negasonic itself, right? Because there's a chance you get the 5-6 Negasonic effect, which might not be bad because then it's like, okay, like you can guarantee you can actually move a card and say, no matter what, I'm winning this lane because I have priority. And if they put, even if you don't have priority, oh, it just occurred to me. If you don't have priority, the move effect happens first. So it doesn't matter if you have priority. If you get the Negasonic effect, you move first. You got a nuke. That you can move yeah. and or and or like let's say brings back Negasonic you can still throw into like a freaking Sanctum Sanctorum a Storm Lane it has 11 power now you know it's not a, a jump card so you have a bomb that you can move and then that's where you would have the null right because then you throw now you have a, a five you killed oh my god it's wild. That's They're, actually pretty cool. I think the Negasonic yeah. one might be the most fascinating one you brought up. It, it didn't occur to me because you can just move it to win a location that's blocked off or something like that. Or you could like literally play null 
and then forced into a location that you know you're winning, they can't trade, and it ramps your null. And like it creates these really interesting scenarios. I think I love the Negasonic call, Cozy. This is cool. I, again, the fact that we sat here and we're like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a cool card. I don't really know. But now we're just spitting ball and combos, man. And what did we see after the last time we did this? It was move wave, and wave is now paramount and in, in, in move decks. So we're going to have to see, does ramp win ultimately? Is it more of these kind of uh, destruction hybrids? Uh, dude, well, well, time will tell, and uh, we're going to find out tonight with some crazy builds, guys. And uh, take these ideas, throw them out there, and see how they go. Uh, now, we've got three other cards that are coming out in this. Actually, four. There's a lot of cards coming out this month, man. This is one of those mega months, right? Let's go to Jean Grey, because I think Jean Grey is probably one of the... This is probably the biggest card, canon-wise, that we've gotten released, I think, in a while, if if not ever. Well, not ever, but probably in a while. Uh, Jean Grey, man. Uh, I've, been, I've been eyeballing this card for a long time. My first initial spitball impressions. I can't believe this isn't the season pass card. Yeah, right. like for me, it blows my mind. I like I had assumed it was the season pass card the entire time. But to be honest with you, I think that this is a really, really fascinating card. I like that it's an ongoing card, and we're going to have a counter to that in the future. By the way, we'll be discussing shortly. It's an ongoing card, and I think it's a huge boost. Not that it needed it, but Nebula. Can Nebula get any stronger now? Like really, if you think about it, like Nebula now has a direct synergistic card on turn three that says, "Hey." You got to play here. Oh, you can't play on the Nebula lane because I thought you, you know, you just can't. So Nebula gets value. So this isn't really a 3-3 because if Nebula just gets one tick, it's 3-5 already. Honestly, this is my favorite control card to date. I think this is such a weird one because it, it affects both players, right? So it's like a pro X where like you, you lock down the lane, right? No one can play. With this one, it affects both players, but you have the agency of playing it, which is, you know, play it on five, play it on four. It's immediately like a win card if you're already winning a lane or... Like an arrow, like you don't care if it is in that lane. It's a very interesting way to control the the aspect. Uh, and then they've showed it on the video. You can uh, do Jeff movable cards is a is a smart way to kind of like get yourself out of there with wasp popularity, right? So that that that's kind of my first like, uh, that's gonna suck, you know, wasp wasp Hulk. That's gonna lose a lot of cubes, man. People are gonna be relying on this thing. Uh, but I, I think the control aspect because it affects both players is hot. I like it. The thing I love most about this, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh man, Silver Surfer. I just started just getting heart palpitations of how excited I am. Listen to this. Jean Grey on turn three, Brood turn four with Nova in another location. You're done with that location. You got four three drops that are going to get benefited from Silver Surfer, and they're forced to play there. They're forced to play in that location. You filled it with Brood, and you have like complete uh, like autonomy to play wherever you want. Dude, you're right. I, this, honestly, the Surfer build, I don't know why I didn't go straight there because even looking at the other X-Men or other cards, like, let's just go to Negasonic again. You're guaranteed they have to play there. They have to play their turns there, right? So, like, uh, Kingpin, you throw Kingpin in another lane, you make a play in this one, right? The Kingpin lanes, they're trying to fill. It's very tough. You know, we might get a little bit of synergy there. And then, obviously, man, this card feels like it should have came out with a Guardian season because, dude, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, are going to ob obviously love this one, yeah? Is this the buff that Drax was always waiting for or what? <laughs> I just, this naturally, Drax loves this. I mean, it's just, I love the idea of Kingpin. By, why do you, we brought up Kingpin so many times today, but, okay, you have Kingpin on the board, Jean Grey, and then they have to play, like, you know, a four or three or whatever cost to try and fill that location, and then on turn six, you play uh, Magneto yeah. on the other side, <laughs> just bring them all over and smash them all. I, that's pretty cool, but... 
Oh man, it's it's crazy. It's just crazy how much like potential there is in this control card. And I, I know you love control. I yeah. know you love control. It it I think it opens up a lot of interesting play and a lot of like cool ways to interact with the with this card in particular. It's opening up more decks. Like between her and the old Phoenix, it, it's gonna open up more decks. And I'm sure that we're even forgetting some that like people are gonna be like, dude, how have you not said X card? A Jean Grey was one of those cards that like had to be good. You had to have this card be good. And it, and it adds another control card up the ladder. We lost Spider-Man. But, you know, Daredevil, Jean Grey, Spider-Man, uh, and then uh, Pro-X. So you have uh, uh, even more agency on some of these cards. Again, Guardians, Nebula. This is going to be fun. I think there's some really cool, really cool aspects here. Even putting in zero-cost cards or cheap cards just to burn them. And then you could play at another location just... They can't stop it, right? You have that invisible woman. They're trying to counter, man. And you throw the Modoc Hella GG, right? But then you have a couple of low cost cards in there. There's some cool builds to be to uh, to be out there, man. This actually gives space to Professor X in an interesting way as well. Because if you actually remember, I always say this, make turn one great again. So you could play turn one and two, your opponent doesn't. You play Gene Gray on three. They're forced to occupy that location, right? They're forced to. They're, they have no other choice. By turn five, if they're not able to fill that location, you have free real estate on two locations on the board for Professor X. You don't even need Daredevil. Daredevil could have been played on two anyways. So, like, I think that the the, the control element of this yeah. really makes your first initial turns matter because if you can set up a turn one and two where, like, you can get out of that location before your opponent does, like, you can... Orca? Orca value turn six? You have an empty location? You have Gene Gray? It doesn't look obvious. It doesn't look... Oh, my... Galactus? Because they're they're yeah. not ready for the like I'm just saying I think this card's fantastic. Yeah, dude, I I agree, and I think people are gonna get mad to losing to it, but I think the setup. I, and again, we're gonna have to see if it's too easy, then they're gonna have to jump. But I think the setup, you get the payoff, man. If you set this up, this brilliant master plan, and you have the cards needed, and you get the pro X, and then you shut down that lane, and it's over, uh, dude. I th I think it's worth it. I do have an important question to ask you, Alex. Okay, you ready for this? There's one card that got a buff a couple times now. All right. She's getting better. Now, see see the text here. It says, ongoing. Players must play. Okay? Hey. Is this a player? Oh, I don't know. Do, I don't do, know, Cody. Do, do we have a way to finally control this crazy witch, dude? I'm not sure. Like, I don't I, know. I don't know. Like, it, you're right. You're right. I, it's it's entirely possible. I, I I never... You hit me off completely off the cusp here. I have no idea I don't know either. We're how that interaction see. works. We're going to have to see because it, it plays your cards for you, but maybe they put the words players on... I don't know. I have no idea because uh, this would make both Ego and Agatha like a lot different and or a way to cheat out of it. Like you don't even necessarily need to control your Agatha. If you have this and your opponent has to play there and then you're over... Agatha's over there willy-nilly, dude, just throwing out ghost riders and, and, and wildness. I don't know, man. We got a more dependable Agatha, maybe, maybe. So Jean Grey, another cool card. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a lot of cool things you can do. Jeff, Nightcrawler, and, and like you said, Pro X. A lot of X Men synergy. So uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing they did there. This is the YouTube short, the Content King. The I just won an Infinity Conquest because I did the craziest thing ever. What do we think of Legion? It's a meme. I don't know. Like during hot locations with Bar Sinister, it's funny that they released Bar Sinister this weekend and not when Legion came out, for instance. I, I don't know. It feels like a meme. I, I like it. I like the idea. And I like that it's a 5 8 because if you have a location, like let's say there's like negative zone, 
and you have Luke Cage on the board and you replicate that across the board, that is the most snappable turn I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Right? Like really it, I think we really underestimate as Marvel snap players, how impactful locations are. Yeah. They're insane. I've gotten into the habit of, I never snap until I have a really firm idea. This is how like a lot of people say, Alex, give advice for like players that are struggling to rank up snapping. When you understand for your deck, when your locations are advantageous, I think is one of the biggest skills that really help accelerate my game. And so to pretend like this card cannot be impactful, I think is disingenuous, yeah. but also a total meme of the bunch because yeah. it's just, it's so weird. I think it's easy to write off, right? I've seen other people just like, this one's going to suck. Like you said, Abomination's 5-9. That's like the, that's the king of the crop uh, pretty much outside of what, like Doc a couple other ones. 5-8. Okay. Like not terrible, just power, right? And if you clone a couple locations... I kind of like them in Conquest. And, and does that, like they said, Storm, I, I think that's a pretty dumb, like, dude, you're not going to, the five cost, if he was a four cost, it'd be another story. Maybe you could ramp it out there with a Psylocke, something like that to take advantage. Does it make something like Scarlet Witch better? So you have a, you have a location you don't like, you change it, and now you have another option to Legion, and you're building up to it. So now Scarlet Witch can be played out a lot faster, even the Reality Stone at that too, right? And now you have what? Four locations to pick from? There's the problem with Legion is there's such a big variance of locations. There's so many different ones. But once you start to tick up there, you know, there's got to be one that maybe is going to favor you a little bit more. Maybe it's a Savage Land that all of a sudden your opponent had, you know, Kitty and it's in their hand and boom, there's Raptors everywhere. Like, there's, I think there's going to be more moments than people think, but it's still a meme card. The card that kind of really came to mind for me when I was looking at Legion, I'm like, what card really, really benefits from this? It's Rhino. It has to be Rhino because let's say you hate locations and you just don't want them. You can just play Rhino and then just nullify all the locations every single game pretty much because you're going to have this by turn five under most circumstances. So like, is this a buff to Rhino? Is this the buff to Rhino that we've been waiting for? Yo, just make locations not matter? Bro, you can straight up... <laughs> So you're, you're, you're killing two turns, but you're just like, hey, it's over. Like, it's done. This is the... Sur the uh, I, <laughs> what do you mean? It's the 5-8, though. I don't think Cerebro... Like, I thought this. of that. It's C8, the, the new play now. But how do you do with your stupid Rhino? <laughs> C8, guys. The C8 meta. You, you can now <laughs> eliminate... You can now eliminate... You can now eliminate the randomness of Cerebro. You just have to burn every turn on the way there. So, okay, meme card, I think he does have some, like, unique potential, maybe. We'll, we'll have to see with Legion. Uh, I'm gonna get him because I like Chaos. Now, we have two more guys. We've got Echo, and I think this is one that, uh, you know, obviously, like, low-cost cards get people excited. We just continue to just shoot the one-cost cards to the grave, man. Like, this is gonna be in the mix of, like, uh, kind of cool, man. Uh, interesting, actually, more so. After your opponent plays an ongoing card here, Remove its abilities. It's a 1-2, Alex. Now, obviously, like, okay, the Cosmo Killer. To be fair, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal for the Wongs. I was just going to say it's Wong. It's Wong that really benefits from this because, uh, like, when you play this on turn one, it allows you to reliably set up a Wong. Now, naturally, like, Enchantress is still going to destroy Wong. Rogue still destroys Wong. But it, it does really have a negative impact on Cosmo. Cosmo specifically. Now, the fact that it only impacts your opponent's cards is important because that allows you to play on top of it with like if you want to play a, you know, a Darkhawk, right? If you want to play your own 
Cosmo <laughs> and protect your dark hawk, for instance, right? Like it does have some interesting utility, but like it's gonna be hard for it to find play when like you think about what Nebula does, what Sunspot does, I what Spider Ham does. Like <laughs> these are huge, but I think this is a huge upgrade for Wong. But ultimately, I think this card's gonna be just not gonna find its way in a lot of decks. I wonder why they chose to make it location specific and not across the board. Like if they obviously like if it's a Sandman, they just play in another location. And I think that really hurts him. But it's like it probably would have been too strong if it was across all locations, right? It, it would have to have been too strong. So Jean Grey shuts down. So Jean Grey, then Echo, and then you have they force the uh, going guards to go there, I guess, right? But like yeah. I guess that's true. It would yeah. be yeah, and I think they want to limit like let's say if your opponent's playing a ramp deck and they have electro. Dude, like the, this would turn Electro off. So, like, I think that's actually a way to counter this kind of even. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of that. Somewhat nasty, right? Or Red Skull. There's there's other decks that are going to be able to counter the card. I think Echo will be an interesting tech card. I just don't see it being used crazy amounts, especially because it's fighting the spot for the one cost spot. We'll have to see. Uh, maybe, maybe, may, maybe ultimately with the wall encounter, it'll be strong enough. Uh, guys, put down below where you think Echo is, is actually going to be kind of crazy. And finally, We've got Mirage. Now, my heart hurts, man, because we talked about this card months ago, and it was, like, going to disguise itself as a Mr. Fantastic, which, like, maybe that wasn't the coolest card to copy. But I think we we now have a much better cable, almost, a much better... Uh, dude, this thing is, is, is the answer to bounce in some ways. What do you think of Mirage? What I think is it's low-key probably the best of all of them. I think that this will probably be the most just, you know what, add Mirage to your deck and see what happens type card. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a buff to Collector, which is fantastic. I think Collector's been getting all these additional tools and I, I love that. I think this low key is fantastic. Yeah. I really like it a lot. Yeah. It's definite power creep on Cable. I almost feel bad for Cable. Like they must have a plan for Cable. Like they, they, they change the way it interacts with Chavez. They, they change, like it's just, even okay, are they gonna make cable? I know we're kind of off the beaten path here, but are they gonna make cable draw the top card? Even if it's just like a psychological buff and not an actual real buff, is yeah. that just enough to make it at least feel better? They kind of have to because it is. It's a Chavez puller, man. That's his ability. And and yes, okay, cable takes the card from the deck. I get that. They don't get that card anymore. But like this gives you intel. It's better than the card that they currently have. It's it's a 2-2. Two, two. I, I just don't understand. You are correct. I think this is going to find its way in a lot of decks. It's just like a nice counter card. Man, even death, bro. You can take deaths and you got a 14 death on your side. You know, it, this will have more use than I think people give it credit for. If your opponent only has like big time cards, like a ramp deck, you, know, like you take the Black Panther, like you, you're going to benefit way more than they are. It's going to be interesting when to play it. I kind of like it as a fill out card of a certain turn, like a turn five fill out. Yeah, maybe maybe a turn two, depending. But you know, it, uh, turn two they could have loads of these kind of smaller cards, right? And people don't put garbage cards in their deck. Like they put cards in their decks for a reason because they're good cards and they perform. It's also a measured buff to Quinjet, right? Because you could still pull a one and Quinjet doesn't value uh, get value from there. But if you pull a two, three, or four, suddenly you have a discounted buffed version of their low cost card so quinjet could be really fascinating here i really do see it working and oh obviously of course in devil dinosaur style decks as yeah. well because you're you're filling your hand it has a very, very similar effect to white queen except you're actually buffing the card which is super significant because it makes the card you take more valuable later in the game again i think the possibilities here and like there was a yeah pull it up right now this is on my meta deck report right this is one of my new favorite decks i freaking love this deck 
It is about the collector getting them nice and hot. You have all the card regeneration, really strong in conquest. Cable could not fit in here. You just didn't bring enough, right? Whereas, uh, maybe not set. No, you were going to have to figure out which one you could take out. You're probably Agent 13. You now have this card that is going to build up. You have the Quinjet. You have the Collector. Everybody's been. Everybody is eating off this card. And then you get a little bit more to the pie, right? You get the plus two. This is where I see it fitting. Now, this is at least the deck that I'll be playing it in. And I think you're right. I don't know if it's going to be the best one of the bunch. I, I, Jean Grey just... Jean Grey seems wild to me. But this does seem way up there. Jean Grey seems like by far the best control one, but I feel like this might have like the spider ham can kind of feel like it can go anywhere style effect, especially in conquest, because I think the intel from this is important. That's something I learned, like we're going to be talking about conquest shortly, but like spider ham and conquest is so valuable because of the intel it gives you right off the bat. And then when you're playing the same person over and over again, you know, okay, well, they're playing, you know, a, uh, you know, a destroyer deck. Well, I'm going to hold it till turn five so I can destroy their destroyer. Oh, they're playing, playing a ramp deck. I'm going to play it early so I can hit their uh, their beast or whatever. I think that the intel you're getting is super huge. And I think Mirage is going to benefit from that as well. So here you guys go. This is all of the season pass cards. And uh, again, I think when you first looked at it, it wasn't like too, too exciting. But I don't know, man. I think these have a lot of practical use. And a lot of these cards are going to be used for a long time to come. And they're all coming with spotlight caches making them all way easier, right? So we're going to get it announced, what cards are coming out when, and if you want Mirage, you can just save up at that point and open it. I think that most notably here is I think this is one of the most complex season passes from a gameplay perspective. There's a lot of mechanics at work here. And I think that goes to show you how much faith Second Dinner has in the player base, becoming more familiar with the game. And there's the ability to say, you know what? I think that the season pass cards can be very complex. I think this season we can really pull some niche cards that have very niche play styles in very niche decks and allow players to get creative. Like Phoenix Force is not an easy card to play. It's not a straightforward season pass card like the way Nebula would be. Or even Silver Surfer, or like if you think about how these season pass cards have been designed, Phoenix Force is a deviation from that to some degree. It, it's so complex compared to the others. So I do really th uh, see this as a season where the developers are saying, all right, players, take the wheel and let's see what you can do. So Alex, that'll be it for the July season, but let's go and talk about season pass of past, right? Let's rank the best cards from the old season passes and take a look at them all, give them some letter grades, and uh, let's get going. The way this is going to work, we have a list with all the season pass cards thus far, including the beta season pass cards, and we're going to give them letter grades from A to F based on where they stand today in the meta and uh, whether or not they're as relevant as you'd hope for them to be. Now, we're also going to kind of play a little bit of a different game too, or in the sense that we're going to judge them based on the strength of their release. How impactful were they? How impactful have they remained? So there's a couple different things going on here. I know I just kind of said contrary things to one another, but there's so much to go off when evaluating cards, especially since something like a Thor, for instance, launched at one cost and ultimately got changed to another. So, I mean, Marvel Snap's a constantly evolving game. Yeah, before we go to that, Alex, I mean, like, it was a little rude for you not to address my wife here. Like, we're all here, you talk to me, and then you just... I'm sorry. It, it's, it's, it can be awkward sometimes. Like, it's, you know, like when you're the third wheel in a room, and, you know, like, if, if you and your, your wife are, are exchanging love, loving kisses, do you really want me to get in there and be like, yo, Cozy? She's just here. She just wants to be acknowledged, man. That's, that's all I'm asking. Okay. Okay, let's acknowledge <laughs> the beautiful arrow with her hair flowing in the wind. Now, this isn't fair because Arrow gets to create her own wind. Do you know how, like, models stand there and there's, like, fans blowing in the side and their hair? Yeah, Arrow just gets to do that herself. Like, she's just like, 
What a great superpower. What a great, yeah, exactly. What a, what a great dude. The amount of Twitter tags I got when this puppy came out. Puppy, that's a bit odd to call her, but you know, you know, I, when this, when this, I understand what you mean. Okay, thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah. So thank you for thank you for that. We can now move on, friend. And uh, here we go. We've got the season <laughs> pass cards, Alex. And I like what you said. We talk about them when they came out, and then we can also talk about them where they are now. Obviously, we have like a five seven Nick Fury. That's how he was when he came out. So it is. You know, I, I think it's good to have that on there. So do we want to start with in order of the past coming out? Uh, yeah, we'll start with the original one. And uh, ironically, um, I, I had a like Nick Fried. I started him as a five, seven, whatever, but we will get that when we get there. But wave, let's talk about wave. Now, this was the first season pass card. In fact, Cozy, I wasn't even in the beta yet. I missed this season. So when they just released the $10 pack to buy back into the like season pass card backs and everything like that, the amazing variant with the flag in the background, I was all in. I was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for for so long. Those are cool. The Atlantis Beach Club. Yeah, like all those variants were, were pretty bango. Banger. It was cool to see those again. I'm sad. I'm holding on to my Thor that I still have that nobody has. I'm like, one day everyone's going to have this guy. It's like how I, you know, show a different uh, avatar that people don't have. But Wave, man, before Death Wave, before everything, like Wave was such a crazy card to come out. Now, obviously, we already had like Electro and stuff, but uh, those were pool three. So this came out early and, and this was a long dominating card. Still is, obviously. So this was a fun one to come out. I mean, can we all, this is a quick one. Yeah, we can just say this is a S tier then, S tier now, in my opinion. Yeah, like this is definitely A+. plus. We're, do, we're doing standard elementary school grading here. We're not going S tier. We're doing A plus to F, F being the failure. And this is definitely an A plus card. It definitely is. It's been consistently amazing, even after its nerf. Nerf. We're like, oh, wait, this card's still incredible. It still does amazing things. It still completely shuts down specific decks. It still provides incredible synergies. It's just... A, such a go-to card. In fact, when I did my recent like kind of cards to unlock for pool three players with their free ones, Wave's number one for me. It yeah. was number one. I remember when Death Wave like happened. When you could, when 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 people found out that you could play Death for Cheap Arrow, the Arrow that was like dominant Arrow back then, like that was such a crazy. Just uh, it, it opened up Wave because everyone just saw it as a ramp card, man. And dude, you know how like uh, when Nimrods released or we're about to see with Phoenix Force. Everybody's playing the card. Dude, imagine Wave being in every single match you go up in. It was it was wild. You could just play like high cost everything. It was crazy how Wave got changed so significantly with the obviously the change of the way the cost structure works, basically nullifying Death Wave, which was like the go-to card. It was like the go-to archetype for so long. Like even if there was one card, like one deck that kind of jumped in the the meta, Death Wave was always like a good fallback for so many players. And it was just gone. And I remember when the announcement was made, I was like, is the card dead? Like, what happened? No. And then we get Bounce that comes out and it shuts down Bounce to some degree, like the turn six Chavez and dump your hand on five. Hey, would you be surprised to know that Bounce is still okay even if you run Wave? Damn it. I know. But anyways, yeah. Wave, for me, it's A+. plus. Cozy, what do you give it? Yeah, A+. plus. No question. All right. Number two. We're going off to Thor. Thor, a 3-4 that uh, adds Mjolnir to the deck. Now, what is your initial impressions with Thor? Because I have like this mixed feeling about Thor. I love the card. I hate the card. I love the fact that like you get the Mjolnir and uh, you know that it's an on reveal that can be reprocked with something like an Odin. I hate the fact that, you know, it's it's thinning or sorry, uh, diluting the deck, one might say. There's so many complex like mechanisms around Thor. So I'm interested in hearing your original opinion on it. I mean, like uh, Chris Hemsworth is my my man crush. Uh, you know, I, I so I, I'm just a Thor stand to begin with, but... 
Uh, when Thor came out, he was a four cost and he he was like just awkward and uh, it just didn't play. It, it always felt bad. He had a little more power, just but it wasn't overall worth it. And then now you have an extra turn to get it. And this actually ended up being kind of perfect for him. I love him. I, I like the card a lot. It, it's so interesting, though, that you do have to build a deck around it. Because if you didn't, he'd be in every Silver Surfer deck, right? Like, it, it is a very niche card in a lot of ways. But obviously, with good payoff, I think he's better than than most cards in Conquest. Uh, it, it, just having that pressure where it's not this Jane draw. Right now, it's like a... It, it's, 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 it's obvious what's going to happen, right? Because they play Jane, it's over. It's where you don't play Jane. And then you had kind of the head games to go off there, right? So uh, Thor was cool. It was Thor. So like it was, uh, if you look on this list, I think the most notable card to come out as far as like Marvel uh, is. Uh, but he was a tad lackluster at the time. I, I think he came out, I, I maybe like a, maybe like a, 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 like a C plus, a B. What is it? A, oh, you're doing A plus, B plus, all that, all the pluses and minuses? Oh yeah, all of it. Like, like you're grading their paper. And I barely remember, but I want to say it was like a B minus. It, it just felt weird. Again, the coolest thing about him was he was a pool three, so that's why I gave it even a B minus. It was probably a C. It was probably a C grade card, though. Yeah. And where do you think it falls today? I'm gonna give it a B. Man, this is all over the place. But I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B plus because of okay, James Jaws at the moment. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would agree with that. I think it's definitely B plus. I might even lean towards like an A minus because like I feel like it's like a it has a Dracula style effect where like you can't trust it if you're the opponent. Like if there's a Thor there and it's in a stormed location then you're, I love the idea that you said like hey, if they play Jane Jaw or they play Jane you know what's up but like when you play the game of did they top deck Mjolnir like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It gets stressful right? So I really do like the card for that. So uh, we'll go with the B plus out of pure respect. Let's, we'll, we'll grade them based on where they are today. We'll do a discussion on where they perhaps started. We'll grade them on today. We, we're really weird with the grading in the last couple episodes, by the way. I think. Right. <laughs> but, uh, okay, Daredevil. This is one of my favorite cards in Marvel Snap. And this was my full... Fr- uh, First full season snap. I had been uh, invited to the beta during the Thor season. I think I got in halfway through the Thor season. I was there since the onset from Daredevil. And I got to tell you, I love Daredevil. I think that the card has one of the most unique and fascinating effects in the game. I think it's consistently one of the most powerful cards in the game. I think that uh, it will always be relevant based on new cards coming out. Any control card, especially on turn five or six, if you're ramping, for instance, wants to know if Daredevil is in the list and if it has some sort of synergy. And uh, so for me, this is an absolute banger card, Cozy. And I know you love Control, so I know you got some positive things to say about Daredevil. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of cards to go through. It's an A+. Uh, if there's one, if there's two cards I feel like that I've always stood behind long before I've heard anyone stand behind them, it was Daredevil and Arrow. Since early beta days, I mean, I had the benefit of the doubt of making content, so it was easy to have like receipts. Like, I can show you. I've always been big on them. I got crap about being big on them, and they're still good. Now, Jean Grey is, does affect Daredevil a small bit, in my opinion. But yeah, dude, Daredevil, A+, plus, no question. All right. A-plus from, uh, from me as well. Nick Fury. Nick Fury, right off the top of your head, what was your grade on the original, Nick Fury? 5-7. Five, uh, five, yeah, so here's the thing. Like, If we're going to say where they are today, like, it's tough, and it's tough not to include the journey along the way, because like, screw this card, man, forever. But, like, now, I love it. And, like, it's such crap to be like, oh, it's an A card. But it's like, no, it wasn't forever. Like, screw what this guy did to us. No, Nick Fury was it was just very niche, man. It's not a good card. I, like, it, it, I mean, it was so bad that they gave it to us for free for Christmas, you know? 
Yeah, so it was like what, like a D, a D style card on the the original iteration. Yeah, D for sure. And I honestly would give it like a, I mean, I'm high on it, an A B plus now. Yeah. All right, so it goes from a D to like a B plus or an A minus. I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know what I'm gonna say A minus. Yeah. I'm willing to go A minus on this because I just love it. I've always been a Nick Fury fan. It's got Samuel L. Jackson's signature on it. That's got to be worth something. Hopefully they bring some of those. By the way, imagine having more of these signature cards. Why aren't we seeing more of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's crazy that he was the last card before launch, which Miles Morales was our launch card. It was our launch card. Miles Morales was the launch card. And um, I was actually always pretty high on Morales. And um, I felt like I was kind of off on an island on my own. The original launch Morales, I would probably have given like a B minus where I felt like it had potential, but it felt too easy to cut sometimes. But when you got the value from it, it was truly a solid card. In particular, when you had like a turn three play with like, you know, Vulture and Iron Fist and you get that free one, uh, free one drop coming down. I think it's a great card. However, I think it's gotten better now, especially with the bolt stature style lists. So, Cozy, what would you give it today? This is another one. It's like the journey along the way. I feel like uh, it's so funny. If you look back when the game came out, how dumb we were playing this game. Like, for whatever reason, like, Polaris, like, we were like, yeah, it's a pretty good card. But we, like, just weren't putting it into a lot of decks, right? And so, like, just good value cards were being kind of slept on for, like, other crazy combos. Which I guess makes sense when you have leaders and all this crazy stuff that, you know, has since been nerfed. Miles, I like. I want to like him more than I do. I think he's a good. I think he's a he's a decent. Co- what did you give him? I said B minus, but I'm I'm notably too high on this card. I think. I mean, I think a B is minus is fine. C plus, B minus. You know, he has his uses in the statue deck and a very good one at that. He's better nowadays with silk. He's better nowadays with a plenty of cards. So I would I would say because of the popularity of things like Jeff and Polaris, he's earned himself that. Whereas before, like you were playing a move deck with him and that was about it. It was just garbage, right? So definitely, you know, if we were to say our top three at the end of this or somewhat, then I would say he's lower on that. But yeah, I don't mind him. Okay. B minus it is for Miles Morales. Moving on to Black Panther. Black Panther, now we're well into this, uh, the full swing of full release. I was actually kind of, if we go back to one of the original stuff. You hated him, bro. I was like, this card's not that good. And, uh. I'll be honest with you, in my defense, it didn't really like bang like we would have might have expected. And it kind of took a while for it to turn on because it was like, okay, people are playing Arnim Zola with it. Then it just kind of died off after the first week. But now it's kind of back, isn't it? I thought right when the card died off is when it w- would become good. It wasn't good when everybody was playing it because you knew what was going to happen. It's not good or as good in, let's say, ladder because they play it in a separate lane. You don't have a counter. Uh, okay, have your two cubes, goodbye, right? Or even one cube. Conquest, you don't have a counter, you lose, number one. And ramp decks have gotten a lot better. I, it, the popularity needed it to die down for it to be good. Even with that, though, I still, I don't know, man, like a B plus, it, a, a, a minus, but, but it, it's still not like a godsend card, but it's very good. I think that the nerf to Arrow did a lot for this card too. Getting Arrow out of the way to allow a more consistent Zola play on turn six, yes. I think really did wonders for it too. So I would agree, like a B minus. I don't think it's in the A category yet. I think that maybe in the future we'll get there. And I mean, if it didn't do it with Shuri at its absolute peak, then I'm kind of interested in seeing what's going to get it to that next level. Silver Surfer. Now, I gotta be honest with you, Cozy. This is literally one of my favorite cards in Marvel Snap ever released. The archetype for me is one of my favorite. I think partially because at three cost, you can add tech, you can add power, you can add so many different things. 
for me, I'll be honest with you, this is an A+. Plus. This is an A+, plus for me, just from a personal standpoint. I think it was super powerful on release as a 3.0 that did plus 3. We have the latest iteration on the screen as a 3.2, and I still think it's good. I still think it's good, and I think that we're getting improvements at the 3 costs, like the Rogue buff and stuff like that. I, I'm giving it A+. Plus. What do you think? Yeah, A+, plus on release, A- minus now is probably where I would go with it. Yeah, it's, it's Silver Surfer is just like the thank God Glenn came on the team card. Like, I... How the how these guys even snuck through QA is what blew my mind. How crazy these cards! And what the thing that sucked about Surfer when he came out, it was just at the Christmas holiday. So they launched him, and they were like, "We'll see you in three weeks, guys." And Surfer just like destroyed everything at that time. Yeah, very good card. Yeah, like him a lot, and so much so like talk about what we were saying earlier with Gene Gray. Like, oh my God, Surfer. He's usable all the time, right? He doesn't need other. It just has synergy across the board. So much so that like Zabu does the four cost, he does the three cost. I would love to see more of these in the other cost zones. Yeah. Of course, of course. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at Zabu here. I wonder, I wonder what Cozy's gonna give Zabu. I'm gonna let's just start it off. Give us give us the talk about Zabu here and uh, let us know why you're gonna give it the absolute highest score possible. It's not even that. The conversation I want to have around Zabu is just like how do I say this nicely? I don't even know if there's a way to. The comment section on these balance patch or balance adjustment videos that I make are just hilarious. And they, they continue to be. And I actually thought about this the other day of like how good cards are still, but like we just, I don't know what it is. The feelings of like, I think it's the attachment to the card itself that people just want to go ballistic whenever something gets nerfed. And like Zapu, man, I, I, I would love to go and look at some videos of when this thing got nerfed and people calling it dead and the card sucks. Dude. Obviously, he's fine, right? Like, it's just interesting. Like, thank God the old Zabu's not here. Like, I, like double yeah. Spider-Man days. I couldn't even believe uh, A plus, obviously. But it's funny, like, like how obvious changes are needed to happen, and it doesn't mean a card is dead, right? Wave Zabu and so on. It, it was funny because when Zabu originally got nerfed, I was one of the ones that was like, "Is this card like? Is it done? Not done, but like, obviously, it goes in negative and other things. And but is it going to have the impact it did? And it's still by far one of the best cards in the game." By far. What it did to such a significant level is that three cost cards were already fine. I kid you not. There were four cost cards sucked, Alex. Terrible. There were so many bad ones in here. This is before dark, like right around the Dark Hawk, right? He just came out in December. But like there were so many of those you could not justify playing on turn four. And Zabu changed that whole cost category. And I think that it's in a really good spot now because it still has the effect of like, you know, Daredevil. If you play it later, it feels horrible. If you play it right on two, it feels snappable. But if you design your deck way too four heavy, then you don't draw it. Like you're at a huge disadvantage. I love the balancing act that it now has. So, and it did for fours what I think our next card, Modok, did for discard. Now, I was a huge discard fan. I've always been a discard fan. I was so early on the discard is meta bandwagon in my videos. I was talking about, you know, discard being legit for weeks, if not a month before it really caught on. And now discard, I mean, outside of the whole spider ham thing, you know, pigging the, uh, the apocalypse, it's been an amazing spot. And I think largely because of Modok. Yeah, I feel like this one and the next one, like, you know, I I don't even need to spend that long on those cards. I think they're really good if you like the archetype. And, and you know, I, I want to say an A is what I'll give Modok. He, you know, I think Lockjaw discard was such a thing, such a force for such a long time. And, like, we were trying to make him work in that. And there's just something to be said about dependability. And, and Modok brought that to the, uh, to the archetype. 
Absolutely. And I, I just think it's like, it's an A card overall. It's an A plus card for discard without question. Moving on to number 10, we have Nimrod. <laughs> oh my gosh, Nimrod. So I want two separate grades for you. I want you to grade the original one and then where it is now, because in my opinion, Nimrod came out and because of the leech meta, right? It was basically an F. Like it was D minus, like it felt really horrible to play. It only fit in eventually Galactus, which of itself was a huge problem. It never really found its own. And then it got buffed. Now I think we're talking about something different. Yeah, it needed the Venom buff too, I think, to really make it work. Cool. The Venom buff is what really brought it. Once the Venom buff happened, I'll be honest, it just became like a, a just one of the biggest slept on cards. I, so much so, I can't believe they gave it uh, six power. It's like it has its own mechanics. It was just so quirky. The only thing is, like, I just, I don't know, man. It, it feels like the Jean Grey that should be on this season. Like, why not do Kitty Pride this season? Or, like, I don't know, any of the other cards, I believe, that season. Like, this was such an odd choice. I like Nimrod. It's going to It Modok is a five, and it's fine because he works in such a strategic way. Nimrod and Phoenix uh, are, are weird, per se. I don't know. I, I want to say I give him probably a B plus. B plus, that's fair. That's fair. B plus now. I totally see that for the value that it's putting on the board. Then we move on to number 11. And now we're almost there, guys. We're almost in the most recent ones. And we're talking about Hitmonkey. Hitmonkey, the 2 0 that's never actually a 2 0 unless you play it on Cosmo, which I've seen happen before. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, it's so easy to forget that it's actually not reveal. But uh, long story short, Hitmonkey, I think, was a card that was kind of slept on when it was first announced. We were like, oh, this card looks good, but you know, blah, blah, blah. And then. Bounce comes in full force, and next thing you know, Hitmonkey is absolutely wild. Cozy, what do you think about Hitmonkey? Yeah, A+. I made my every card to be released video back in October when the game came out, and Hitmonkey was on that list, and it was a plus three uh, per card play at the moment. And uh, Sarah Control, like Sarah Miracle, is what it was, you know, just came out, and uh, it was made. And this was the one that's like, when this comes out, what? how is this going to last? How is Power Creep not going to be a thing? And they, they did a good job. They made it work. Yeah, A+. Plus. No, no question. Yeah, it's definitely an A-plus card. And the thing that really makes an A-plus card is similar to what, like, MODOK is. So many cards on this list. They feel irreplaceable. Like, when people don't have Hitmonkey and they're trying to make Hitmonkey-style decks, they're like, in the comments, hey, what do I replace Hitmonkey with? I'm just like, right. you, you replace it with another deck. Like, that's what you do. You replace it with, you know, a uh, on-reveal list or something because you're, you're not doing what Hitmonkey does, right? So I, I do like your call out there. Nebula, number 12. What do you think about Nebula? Because I think this card has absolutely been one of the best one drops in the game. Yeah, I give it an A. I'm not going to give it an A+. Plus. I give it an A. I like Nebula. I think Nebula is really good. It's, it's, it is, for some reason, she's not in my own deck design. Like, I just pick other options typically. But, like, just, she's such easy power, man. She's so easy. I think what it is is I'm so paranoid about Killmonger. That I, I always use Killmonger to, to, to ruin their plays that I'm like, she's going to die anyway. And, and obviously right now, Kitty's the better the better choice. But uh, yeah, it, it, she's an A card. She's one of the best one cost. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. The prevalence of Killmonger will definitely do work on a Nebula that's just sitting there. And ultimately, I do think that Nebula like will compete with Kitty Pride to some extent. They're very different play styles because like Nebula is a one drop without question, that gains power over time and your opponent has agency over whether or not it gains power. Whereas with Kitty Pride, you're committing additional power every time you put it on the board. So it's a one drop that often plays more like a three or four drop, actually. But regardless, both cards are fantastic and I do agree with your assessment. 
And now we're to the most recent card that has been released in the season pass, and that is Ghost Spider. Now, this one is a little more complex because I actually see the value in this and how it's going to interact with cards in the future. But in and of itself, it's by far like one of the weaker of the cards here, but it's what it does for other cards that can be so powerful. It's like the combo piece, right? I'm curious to think of what you would give it as a letter grade because I lean lower, but it activates so many interesting combos. It came out... It coming out in Conquest was the best thing for it. I'd give it an, like an A minus or even a B plus. Really? An A minus. Probably B plus in Conquest. Okay. In Conquest. Because of just like the nope, gotcha kind of thing. Yeah, a B. I think it's a B card. I think B's fair. Even B feels like, I think that's absolutely fair because like in and of its own, it's like weaker, but what it can do from a surprise factor is huge. And in Conquest, you're right. It's a totally different beast. Cozy, top three. All of them. Ooh, ordered. I Ooh. One, two, and three. I'll give you my three. You give me your three, and we let, let, let's go from there. And this is at the state it's currently at right now. Current state, yes. I mean, I know, like, yeah, there's no. Oh, dude, wow, it's harder than you think, right? Uh, there's four. Put you on the spot. There are four that I like, uh, obviously a ton, and I'm just trying to like pick which Cheater. ones. It's three. I said three. Damn it. I know. I know. Okay, I'm gonna go. It's so hard. I can't. I can't pick between my. Th Funny enough. What's going into third place? They're tied. I'm going to... Okay, I'll just say... Okay, uh, do four. Just do four, because I know you want it. You're going to be upset if you don't pick four. Yeah, it's hard but to... you have to them. order them. But I have to order them? That's fine. Okay, four is Hitmonkey. Okay. What's your four? You want me to pick four now? Okay, my fourth would be Modok. Okay, third is Daredevil. My third is also Daredevil. Two is Wave. My number two is Zabu. Okay, and then Zabu's my one, yeah. And waves my one. Okay, fair enough. That that yeah, you know what it is? It's really hard between Daredevil and Hitmonkey. It's always fun, man, looking back at like where cards are and where they ended up. And so yeah, good stuff there, man. Let's go and move subjects to Infinity Conquest that we just had this week. But quickly before that, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, a new game called King Arthur Legends Rise, and the beta has opened up just recently really fun game and it's just action-packed. If you enjoy turn-based gameplay and a diverse set of characters, uh just big kind of Free world, not maybe open, but uh, tons of exploration, boss battles, squad stuff. Great game that is both mobile and PC. Again, huge shout out to King Arthur Legends Rise. So Alex, our next topic is going to be the Infinity Conquest, my friend. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fresh out. I've done my runs of Infinity Conquest. It has been the week. This is the, the, the last day as of recording this. And then all tickets, medals, everything back to nothing. And uh, we go and conclude our first month of conquest alex and to me i got a lot of things that i want changed but i think conquest was an absolute blast i i loved it it restored a lot of my love uh, uh for snap in a lot of different ways man infinity conquest how did it go for you man i don't i we haven't even talked about this yeah, I think Conquest overall is fantastic. And uh, I like the idea of holding the Infinity Conquest to the last week of the season. I think they probably do it for matchmaking reasons because I think you have to hoard the tickets to get the uh, Infinity Conquest, right? And uh, my experience has been very positive. And I like that every single time I step into Conquest, there's stakes. Yeah. Rank doesn't even feel like that special to me anymore. Like once I get to Infinite and I get the rewards, I, I'm just moving on from Ranked. And um, I know there's going to be a new leaderboard coming out and there'll be people that are going to be interested in that. But for me, I think Conquest is my home. I really like Conquest. I love that, you know, even if I have a rough run, I just requeue another one. I go and I, 
I, I put my best gameplay forward and I try and win those tickets. I've really enjoyed Conquest and uh, I look forward to what this mode's going to do for the future of this game because I think, generally speaking, people are enjoying it. Yeah, for season one, per se, of Conquest, like it, it's already fun and they could just add to it, you know, uh, completely. Did you get an avatar? What'd you pick? Did, 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 uh, how did it go? I haven't been so lucky, Cozy. It's I've hard. lost a, f I've lost a couple on uh, on round four. But yeah. that being said, I got okay. I got to defend myself. Allow me to defend myself. No, dude, please. I'm not taking high evolutionary decks in. I'm not taking high meta stuff in. Like I, I was making runs at it with like a Ronin list and stuff like that. So like I'm trying to be creative. Uh, that's actually one thing as a content creator. I think people don't really realize is that like we kind of don't get to play like the top top meta stuff all the time because like who wants to actually just watch us do that? Like when Galactus was like top notch like i never played galactus i never played shuri because like it wants to watch me play like the top meta list so we try to be creative and well let's just say that sometimes creativity costs you infinity tickets <laughs> yes yeah, so i totally here's the i want to say this because i have a oh man i've had people from all skill levels come to me about infinity conquest you guys have to remember the five knuckleheads that your buddy happened to get and they just you know sail through it and this isn't devaluing anyone that's done it right Everybody plays different opponents, right? You could theoretically get the five best players in Snap or four best players on your way at the top, right? Like that, that could, that could happen. Your buddy could get some of the worst that just happened to get some tickets, right? So I, I've seen people like measure their skill through this and it is important. Like it's, dude, it is extremely skillful to get through this thing. 31, I don't know the math. I think it's like 31 people have to lose for you to win technically, right? Like there's a lot of losers in this thing and I got to say this, there's ways I think they should fix it, but I'm totally on the camp of people getting frustrated that it's hard. I think we need hard, man. We need hard game modes. We it's, it's not meant to be an everybody wins, you know, and hooray kind of thing. It's, you know, it's supposed to be for the sweaty. And I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I just don't want people do not measure yourself on if you've beaten this or not. I've had three runs that I've lost on battle four and five, right? I had ready for this, a no play. On Battle 5, 8 cube stake, they had Camp Lahai Rogue, stole my null, and I lost. In a deck that didn't have Rogue. Th th there's things that are going to happen. Did it affect me? Listen, I, this, I had a pretty bad tilt fest, okay? I, I got my Crocs on and I, I walked a mile. But uh, you just never know who you're going to go up against. I too, I got mine with uh, Thanos and then a destroy build. But dude, it's, it's so fun. I haven't felt like alive like I haven't snapped than playing Infinity Conquest. The one thing that Conquest has really brought to my attention is how if you're a high-skilled player, you could, through Conquest, by being conservative with your snaps, your retreats, and everything, kind of nullify RNG to an extent. Like, if you get bad RNG location-wise or bad draw, that impacts one, two games perhaps. But on aggregate, across an entire run, that RNG becomes normalized, where your opponent's going to be getting bad RNG, you're going to be getting bad RNG, and knowing when to retreat out of those games where you're like, you know what, I'm giving the cube away. Like, it's not, it's not worth it. Like, I think that's so important. These cubes are so valuable. And over time, I think maximizing your opportunities to minimize the negative RNG and maximize your ability to like identify when you can steal cubes is huge in conquest. Yep. Oh, that is one of my biggest tips. And I want to talk about tips or well, in the subject on, if you didn't do infinity conquest guys, like you're not bad, like give it another go next month. You're going to kill it. Trust me. Like I'm not going to name names. I know some of like what I would consider top 10 players had a rough time and some didn't even complete it. So like it is. Yeah. Alex is who I'm talking about for sure for your audio listeners. No, but uh, seriously, like guys, Tough game mode, a lot of fun. 
There's some things I think they can do to fix it. We'll talk about that. But as far as like little tips that I learned, you really think brought the point home. Almost every time I won was off of eight cube big time games. I lowered my RNG chances and I feasted on the overconfidence of opponents. And I'll be so, uh, guys, listen, I, the stats won't back this up, probably. Balance is doing well in here because of the change of priority and it's very hard to counter because of that. High Evo, man, I, I'll be damned. I am begging for high Evo players when I'm in here. I'm begging for that turn six Hulk. Man, it's so, it's so obvious what's going to happen. It's such, the, the, the decks that are more straightforward, linear, obvious are way worse in Infinity Conquest uh, because of the skill level. I mean, significantly worse in my opinion. Now, that being said, I just did the meta deck report and I broke down literally like the top 20 decks in Snap at the moment. And I gave it like a one through five star ranking. And I do think High Evo is a, is a good consistent deck, especially like the Lockjaw version. I just feel like when I know what they're going to do, for instance, my first uh, avatar that I earned was from a play where I knew, I knew it was going to be a Hulk drop, right? I was able to play around that one specific play and then capitalize on an eight cube win. Whereas if it wasn't the Hulk, it was something a little bit different, then it was going to be a lot harder and maybe my overconfidence would have lost me the game. I think that High Evolutionary has some value in its consistency. Like its play pattern is very straightforward. I think like the Jane Jaw High Evolutionary list that you so graciously thrust upon this meta is like absolutely really good. But you're right. It has a very predictable play pattern. Often they're sitting in that location begging to get Shang-Chi'd, right? So having decks like, you know, like the, the Nick Fury Rocks and Hawks thing where you might have a Shang-Chi with a Zabu on turn six is, is extremely valuable, right? Like I think that... Conquest is all about knowing when to strike. Like like literally like a snake slithering in the grass, when to strike. And I think that High Evolutionary is so prominent that you know exactly what that deck looks like. You know exactly what's happening on turn six. It's Hulk and it's Wasp. Yep. Where are they putting them? You could probably even guess that too. But, but when a deck is not as meta, when a deck has surprise cards in it and you've not revealed your surprise cards, you know, that is when conquest gets really spicy. When you're able to really take someone by surprise on turn five or six for eight cubes, when they don't know that you have that Cosmo, when they don't know you have that rogue. And I think that's what gets me excited. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like tennis. Like you, it, uh, I mean, it's funny. You want to stare at your head a little bit, guys, if you lose four cubes in, in the first round, it's okay. Go look at my runs with Thanos and some gold runs too. I came back multiple, multiple battles because like you just said, yeah, man, I lost. And I even I even showed one of my cards, but they didn't see the claw. They didn't see my claw that I popped out. Or man, you know, Sokovia came up and it discarded Professor X. They know I have that now. I got to remember that. But I know they have X card now too, and they still haven't seen my other two aces in the hole. And so most of the wins that I got or to battle five was by saving that big cube gain. Or even they won like two in a row and they got like three cubes. But then they got, they, they had the confidence train going, right? They're going in the next turn, like snapping automatically. And then I won that for, for seven, right? Or whatever I had left at that point. Uh, so definitely do agree with you there. Uh, high stakes rounds, they exist, man. They're good. They're, re they're really solid. Like you said, location advantage is super important. Knowing decks is, is, is probably better than ever. And feasting on overconfidence. Now, I did see a suggestion that I really like about Conquest as a whole. I think... They either need to make it eight cubes, eight total health, or they need to make it, I believe, like 12, right? And then have higher stick rounds begin earlier. And so it equals, it equals out time-wise. 
You either need to make comebacks more realistic or just get rid. And then I'm hey, listen, I'm a guy that literally have co have come back from these like really impossible games. 99% of the time it is it's hard, man. Not it's very hard to come out uh, on top after those. That's something I would like to see changed as like the majority of time commitment in there. Alex, what do you thoughts say? So you just literally hit the most important element of conquest. And that's something that I'm wrestling with as well. And, I, and I'm trying to form an opinion on. So first of all, the perseverance of conquest is, is key because I just released a video. I released a Ronin crystal list. I'm not even joking, which is actually pretty damn good. And in both, it was a gold run. First game, I was down eight cubes right off the bat and had to climb all the way back five wins in a row. Second game, same thing down all the way to uh, two health climb five games in a row to ultimately win the third game and get the gold. Like those were incredibly difficult matches. However, what I will say is like, I'm hesitant to say, okay, get rid of the ability to make those comebacks realistic. I I'm hesitant for that. Cause if you go to eight cubes, then like you, you have the opportunity to go all in, which I think is an advantage, but you have these like one-off games where it's just like, Oh, you misrolled your gun and you lose that ability to really claw back, which is notable. However, if it's at 12 and the high stakes round starts earlier, you can mess up maybe the first round, but you still have four cubes to really chunk them back. Yep. Right. So maybe the net length of the game at 12 actually comes down because you can attack more cubes in su uh, subsequent games. Yep. Really interesting point, Cozy. I'm not sure I have the answer. I'm curious of your thoughts. Yeah. So I, again, I, I hope they take the feedback. I think it's a really smart, interesting decision. The other thing I would like to see change to move on from the subject is essentially, I'm fine with the one loss. I've been at Battle 5 multiple times. It sucks, guys. It's a bummer. It's just part of it, man. It's, it's part of making what makes it hard and, and whatnot. However, I think if you make it to three wins on this bad boy, if you get up to here, man, you get three wins, I think they give you a gold ticket. And then if you get up to four wins, I think you get your infinity ticket back. Four or five wins. Uh, to me, yes, I get it. They're not going to get their precious gold. But... The medals, man, like at, at a point that I've had so I have so many medals at this point, I'm just like burning boosters. Like I, I've had thousands of thousands of medals from Infinity Conquest. I feel like getting yourself a gold ticket back, you don't have to start all the way back at Proven Grounds. Like I, I to me, it feels like if you got that far, throw a bone. You're definitely right. Being able to get additional infinity and gold tickets would be incredibly valuable throughout the process. I think the easiest way to rectify that, instead of like giving them like as you enter certain stages of infinity conquest, which I still think is a good idea, you could just make it so that you could buy more of them in the shop because they were limited purchases. You can only buy one. So maybe let you buy three of them, maybe five of them, make them more expensive, but make them, uh, you know, repetitious purchases because at, at some point, like you're going to run out of metals, right? So I think there are options around that and we're only in the first season of it. So we should give them a chance to you know reiterate a little bit so yeah man and then and my last complaint i gotta say is this avatar as cool as it is man which my, my community voted on a rock uh sadly not star lord not a, a rock it, it's not flashy enough man for how hard this is and i'm not dude listen i don't need like thanos to come out before the game and be like look at this avatar damn it it's just not it's just not flashy enough. It, it, it almost actually is, is like way too similar. I think it needs a little sparkle, like a wow kind of factor personally. But, uh, you know, I, 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 do you maybe? Yeah. Just get the border that's happening on the, the pillar over there and put it on the avatar. Like, look at the pillar. It's like vibrating with power. Just put that on the avatar and we're good. The pillar's like way better. Uh, but yeah, without question. So uh, Infinity Conquest, this conquest closes. Uh, this is your last reminder to spin your medals and or use your tickets because they're gone. They're completely gone, and we go to the next season. And uh, 
Yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, the Green Goblin season, the metal shop. I'll go to my shop here for people. Uh, yeah, man, I was just buying these over and over. I have a billion of these Green Goblin uh, boosters now because it was the only thing really left to buy. And yeah, I, I think that it, I think it was cool that I could like just essentially get a Green Goblin that I like now, uh, like a, a split that I like. And this spot, I, I'm like 90% sure is Mr. Sinister next season, which is a lame, uh, in my opinion, a lame card, bro. I am disappointed by Mr. Sinister being the card. I just, it, it's not one that's play all, all one or two Cerebro two players and a couple Patriot players are going to be happy, but it's just, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't bring the same oomph as Green Goblin. Yeah, I would have liked to see a more impactful card there. Like it would have been a chance for them to really showcase some really cool variant art. I mean, I would have been really happy to see that art germ mystique variant there, but maybe that's just some wishful thinking. Uh, okay, I'm buying that card right. I just, okay, please let me buy that card. Just put it, just put that variant somewhere where I can just purchase it right away, please. Make it rotate into the token shop as an ultimate. I don't care. Let me, please let me find a way to get that into my collection. Yeah, I, I get it. Like X Men, like fantastic, but like it, uh, as in uh, Mr. Sinister, right? Like I get it. But yeah, you can have Mystique, you can have a Cyclops, like there's some cooler, I don't know, man. I feel like Mr. Sinister was a bit of a letdown, and it doesn't look like the shop, from what I've seen, is going to be changing all that much either. I hope they change that. I, I, I think that this shop, uh, the changes I would make to it is that either have tickets buyable with medals, like period, or just have gold or credits at a... Guys, hike up the price. I don't care. Like If, if it means that they can be in here, if these medals are a little bit more, uh, throw in more of these mystery variants... Uh, there's opportunities here, and I, and I don't want second dinner. Like, Don't be lazy. Don't just be like, ah, it's good. We're done like the season pass. I, I really think that you can expand this shop and show that you're invested into the game mode too uh, because this thing has some damn replayability. I agree. There's no question about it. I think that this is one of the best modes, if not the best mode they've ever released. I think that the re rewards in the mode are notable, and if you can provide players with an incentive to just simply play your game and get rewards and the, the form of boosters, variants, uh, you know, those brand new premium variant uh, kind of unlocks, right? Those uh, those new variants that you're getting without the pixels. They're called what? Premium ultra variants or something like that. I can't remember what the exact name is. Add one of those in there, please. Or, you know, every time you buy a variant, why not make it? Okay, the first time you buy a variant, it's 500 medals. And then it goes up to 750. Yes, and it goes up to 1,000. Have a scale so that you can buy multiple variants, but it'll go up in cost or something like that. I think that would be cool. All right. So moving off from that there, and I promise Cozy, I'll let you pick more than just four cards here. We're going to talk about our favorite cards this season. In fact, we're going to do them in cost order. Six cards from cost one all the way through six, our favorite cards of the season thus far, or I should say of the past season in June, 2023. Cozy, we're going to start at cost number one. Now I'm going to hit you with my favorite. Okay. You start? Because I don't want you to steal my favorite. My favorite is a little piggy that just came out. <laughs> Spider-Ham. Honestly, Cozy, how good is this card? Specifically in Conquest, it feels completely unfair. I just... All they have to do is not have it show which card it hit. I, that, to no. Me, how dare you say that? Dude, that's obviously why it's so good. It's too good. It's too good for a one cost, in my opinion. Like, it just... Man, it killed Iceman, I feel like. It is so good, dude. How, how do you not... How do you not pick Peter Porker? Uh, I would say this is definitely... Uh, this was probably going to be mine. If I was going to pick another one, I, might, I would pick a riser, which I would call probably Deadpool. I think Deadpool has now finally made it from being like niche and fun to actually pretty damn strong. But like, man, you know, obviously Kitty's great. Those are the obvious choices. But dude, yeah, Spider-Ham's nuts, huh? Spider-Ham's insane. 
And I've been playing so much Conquest that like the ability to play it on like the first Conquest game just as a straight up scout play and then to play, okay, oh, I just hit, you know, Beast. Well, I know they're playing Bounce, so I know I'm going to play it very early every single time. Oh, they're playing a, uh, you know, uh, Devil Dinosaur deck. I'm going to hold it until I think they have Devil Dinosaur. Maybe I'll play it on turn four and then knock their Devil Dinosaur out of their hand, right? The strategic element of when you play it is so important, but the scouting is so huge. And it's crazy. Isn't it wild to think that there's a card that made Iceman feel bad? Like, I know. honestly, Iceman feels bad to play now because of how good this is? It's it like, when you go up in Conquest, especially like, oh man, guys, Battle 5 and Infinity Conquest, and I see this thing come out, turn one, game one, I'm like, damn it. This is about to be a long Conquest. Like, it just, yeah, he's brutal. And he's he's even better again in Conquest. Uh, dude, that's easy. That's an easy one to love, uh, without question. All right, Cozy, for number two, I'm going to let you start so I don't take your answer again. Dude, oh, it's it's easy. I, I hope I don't take yours. Dude, it's Collector. Collector is at a point with the Nick Fury and this Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. build that we talked about earlier. But, dude, it just scales, man. It scales so beautifully. And it scales at the perfect levels. Not too early, over 8. Sometimes you can get it over 8. It's a dependable, like, 6, 7 most of the time. Has great. It's like a devil dino that fits into all these decks that want to play the same rate. That's at a lower cost and has that same share of uh, synergy. This has been one of the cards that I've played more of. No question this season more than any. I definitely regret letting you go first, my friend. I definitely regret letting you go first. Collector's a banger pick. I got another one. I got another one. And uh, for me, it's uh, it's Goose. I'm going to say Goose is a special uh, call-up because it's been one of the ways I've dealt with High Evolutionary. The, uh, the ability to play Goose and uh, kind of prevent the turn six Hulk going from a lo- into a location I think is really valuable. Of course, Abomination has some counterplay, but I've been playing Goose on turn five very often in those style decks, namely in Silver Surfer decks, because, it, okay, I'm often playing in Silver Surfer, Goose, and, uh, and Luke Cage, right? Very good counter cards, and I think Goose is great for making sure, well, they can't play, uh, they can only play Wasp there, and, uh, you know, conversely, I mean, Luke Cage probably needs to be on this list too to some degree, but I think Luke Cage is starting to come down in value because the prevalence of High Evolutionary, while still very popular, is not absolutely everywhere, but still, when they're playing High Evo and you got Luke Cage, it does feel pretty good, but ultimately, I think Goose has been an absolute winner for me this year, Cozy. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, this season, I feel like it. Uh, yeah, this season. <laughs> uh, this year too. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny? I think this is the least I've played Goose out of Snap. Really? Existence. I'm not crazy about the card at the moment because of balance, but yeah, I I like the high. I'm I use uh, um, another card we'll talk about to get rid of the high Evo stuff, so I do get that, and it's actually nice if you build around it. Uh, just damn Kitty Pride and her one cost evil. A good two cost. Though. I like that. Yeah, my argument against that though is that like. You're able to play under the Goose. I'm playing a Silver Surfer deck, so if they're playing Bounce, it's just like Goose isn't really there. And you're right. It feels like a bit of a wasted slot. But when you do play against High Evo or play against some other decks, it can be very, very effective. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, there's so many High Evo cards that screws over. So, yeah, I like, that. I like the pick. What about three costs? I'll let you go first. Oh, you gave me the first? Okay, that's great. Uh, I'm going with Silver Surfer. I mean, I've fallen back in love with Silver Surfer because I love so many different three costs, but Silver Surfer does feel like it's really back to some degree. The amount of tech that they've added with Silver Surfer is remarkable. Uh, you even have a buffed Negasonic going from a 3-4 to a 3-5, by the way. People have been sleeping on that OTA buff, by the way. And I feel like we've brought up Negasonic more today than we've ever brought up yeah, Negasonic. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but Silver Surfer for me, like this is a personal list here and like, oh, Cozy, when I'm like, just wanting to play Marvel Snap, I'm turning my Surfer list every time. You know, I, I just, I feel sad because you mentioned Surfer, which like, I love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You mentioned Negasonic. 
before you listen, you listed my my favorite three cars this season. It's Dazzler, man. I don't know how you can talk Surfer without talking Dazzler, man. She's crazy in Surfer. She's so good. People ring down how amazing all that. I don't know what ring down is, but you know what I mean. Maximus and Polaris are so great. They're so good, right? This can be a 3-8 on top of having Surfer on top of it. And you're able to build it up with Brood and cards that obviously are going to have some Surfer synergy. Dude, absolutely love Dazzler in Surfer builds. I've been loving it in my Thanos ongoing build. Love it with Onslaught, Patriot. She's my three-cost winner. You've actually been using Dazzler way more than anyone else I know. You've been a Dazzler believer for a while. In fact, I remember even when Dazzler came out, you're like, this card's not great, but it's not as bad as people say it is. And I know you were experimenting with it and stuff like that. And uh, it's great to see that Dazzler is now kind of delivering on its original promise. I, I just want to say, I find it so funny because the other one I was going to pick was Shadow King. He's killer right now in the, in the Kitty Pride. It's so funny that both these damn January cards had to be... They were Zabu design, and they had to be brought down to three to even be remotely good, uh, and, and they did well. Uh, number four, man, uh, I... Oh, dude, who do you think I picked? This was this this one was too obvious, man. Oh, boy. Oh, you took mine again. I knew I wasn't supposed to let you do it. Damn it, Cozy. Why'd who, you do that to me? Who they dig up this time? Yeah, what, what's his... Uh, <laughs> what's his... Uh, <laughs> I still believe in heroes. Yeah, man. It's got to be Nick. Oh, Nick Fury's so good. I don't even have another four to back off on because it was like Nick Fury all day long. I was so hyped up when he got, got buffed. Like the OTA change was so perfect because it was kind of unexpected. Like it was like the idea of them changing him to a four or five. Like I wasn't expecting him to drop down to a four and it feels so good. And the Coulson synergy and just everything Quinjet letting you play a six on turn five. There's so much to love about this card cozy. And now because of this change, I'm playing more Zabu than ever getting ready for that Mufasa variant that we keep talking about, that people keep asking, what's this Mufasa variant that Alex keeps talking about and I refuse to put it on the screen just so you guys can be, you know, constantly picturing, you know, that stoic lion with its mane flowing in the wind. But ultimately, yeah, it's the only forecast that uh, that's worth talking about this past season. Yeah, I feel like it takes a lot to get Iron Lad not on my list, right? I love Iron Lad, uh, but uh, by the way, uh, for oh, all these people, oh, there it is. He Alex has is it. The Mufasa uh, this is, variant. This is a three-two, too. This is not even the right one, but I had to. I had to throw the Mufasa <laughs> on screen for everyone. So yeah, it, Iron Lad is always my favorite forecast. Still, my most played card, probably in Snap, almost. But yeah, five cost card. Oh man, there's a lot here. What do you got? For me, it's uh, it's Ronan. It's Ronan. I really want to make Ronan work. And listen, you're laughing, but do you know how many games I've won on Conquest where I get a bounce deck and I play turn one Iceman, turn two, uh, you know, Master Mold, and they just give me the Deadpool like, uh, uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, listen, Ronan's better than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, he's good at Conquest. I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing it with Zabu, which means I can Mystique plus Shang-Chi turn six. And. If you really want to do it, okay, so here's here's a quick tip, okay, for people that didn't see my Ronin video, I've been working so hard on getting a Ronin Darkhawk list going. The idea of like, okay, you, you stuff, you know, rocks in their deck, and if you play Maximus or whatever, you're just pulling rocks into their hand, yeah, it works, but you have this counter synergy with Darkhawk, Ronin, and like drawing cards and all this stuff, and then it came to me, I'm like, just use Devil Dinosaur. Just use Double Dinosaur and just keep your hand propped up and you're going to have multiple options, especially with Crystal, because Crystal benefits both Double Dinosaur and Ronin. 
Boom, right? And suddenly you got yourself a, a deck that works. I think Ronin's been a very pleasant surprise for me in Conquest because like no one expects a Ronin game. Nobody in their right mind expects a Ronin game. And I think it's way better than people are giving it credit for. It's so much better in Conquest. It's better in Ladder because Devil... It's worse in Ladder because Devil Dinosaur is more consistent, period, done. Yes. If you want that, that's where you go. But Conquest... You can't counter it. People, like, if you don't, if you're not ready, you're screwed. If you're playing Dracula, you have, like, a Maximus, you can mess him up. You know, I'll be, if they can make Baron even half better, then, you know, he's going to be able to fit in the deck, too. I like it for the Conquest pick. For Conquest season, I like it. Can you guess my five cost? I'm guessing your five cost? I'm going to say it's uh, Arrow, because if I don't say it's Arrow, you're going to get upset and call me out for not bringing your wife Yeah, damn again. right. I was, <laughs> and it's Arrow, bro. Uh <laughs> I, I think I said that. I don't know where I said this. Probably in the last Snapchat. Most disrespected card in Snap. People, <laughs> it's, just, it's just getting so personal. <laughs> people play their damn hulks. Like, uh, go, to, go to my... Actually, I think I used it. I, I, I won another Infinity Conquest with Arrow. People play their hulks like they're on some kind of hill, right? They're like, damn, I'm going to drop my 20 hulk. And they just like don't care that Arrow exists. Or they have their Venom. And I know what's going to happen. Arrow has won me more cubes in Conquest and Ladder. Yes, it moves one card. Oh, no. I pretend Wasp doesn't exist. Kitty Pride decks, you're screwed. But other than that, I love Arrow. She has been, done the most for me out of the five cost cards this season. It's so funny. People thought Arrow was totally dead. They even gave the one power back. They even brought her back up to, to a, you know, a 5-8. And uh, I mean, Wave is still just as good as ever. I think Wave 5, Arrow 6 is still an absolute banger play. Like, it just uh, it just absolutely slops. So I love the pick. Cozy, I'm going to steal 6 because I'm scared you're going to pick mine. I won't. Because I've been... Okay, this is kind of fun. I this, There's a specific 6 drop that, like, I turn to for not only the opportunity to surprise in Conquest, but to access locations and to just have an absolute blast. It's a 6-0... And its name is Arnim Zola. Arnim Zola is just so fun to play. And when you have the perfect Arnim Zola setup and you're playing Conquest, I don't care what anyone says. People don't expect Zola. I have a deck that I've been working on. I have nothing to announce yet, but I'm still working on the refining of it. I've loved Conquest for my, my brewing, by the way. Isn't oh, it been it's been so great. Fun? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, get to, I feel like I can brew again. I'm working on a Devil Dinosaur brew list where I'm running Devil Dinosaur and Zola. And... Um, Honestly, dude, it slaps, and I love replicating the Devil Dinosaur into multiple lanes because it just looks like a, a Devil Dino deck. And then they're like, "I got my Shang Chi ready," and then you're like, "Boop, boop." Dude, <laughs> it's, it's, so good. it's so good. No one expects Zola. I've gotten crap for Zola for how long, man? For how long? It's and true. Snapster was half of it. I, I, Snapster is like reacting one of my videos once. He's like, "Oh, Cozy is Artem Zola love." Like, I love him. I always thought he was good, and yes, now he's a lot better in Conquest because like. It doesn't even matter. What I love about them is it doesn't matter if they know you have them. Because then the mind games start to play. And they're looking at your devil, let's say, and they're like, they're like, is it going to be two? Do I Shang-Chi this? Do I... Like, they don't know what to do. And so, yeah, Zola's like always my pick. Uh, But this season, man, I got to give it to him. The man that got me my infinity avatar himself slept on all the time. And I got a banger variant, finally. Thanos... Thanos easily. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, my Thanos, man. Oh, gosh. Ongoing Thanos and destroy Thanos is so much fun in Conquest specifically. I don't know why I ever fell out of love. I, and I, and I, I want to take this moment to apologize to him. I just love it. This card is so much fun. And I truly, I, I've gotten so many great Twitter replies of like, hey, your King Thanos deck is what I call it, has gotten them their, Kong, their Infinity win. 
the 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 stones but also just the things that you can do there's so much they're not expecting you space stone over you have so many tools man at your disposal i love it this is the deck for those that want to know and that are watching right now but the, it, 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 it's got so much going for it Lockjaw's great. Cosmo's disrespected. It helps in your lanes as well. I love it. It's it's honestly a great list, and uh, it actually transitions us perfectly to our quality of life wish list. Because when I look at the Thanos variant, which I mean, I know the audio uh, listeners can't see, but it is basically one of the most beautiful variants I've ever seen. Kirby Crackle, just speckling red around, and it makes me think about a quality of life upgrade that I want. Imagine you could say, you know what, with this red Kirby Crackle on the screen, I'd like to see it with that red border. See what it looks like. Oh, you know what, that doesn't quite work. What if I get the purple? with the name just right does that look better but no you can't you're scared to upgrade this aren't you cozy oh yeah oh yeah that, 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 very good point i the the pickable the pickable borders or or choose your own border or just like bring that in as another cosmetic like who gives a damn if you don't want to buy it other people will and it'll fund the game like you can do all types of crazy stuff with borders uh i think they do need to rework the whole border system in general because, yeah, it does feel weird. Like, I'm holding back. Like, there's variants that I love. Like, the arrow. I had to decide if I wanted to keep it at the blue. And just be like, I just I do nothing. I just stay here, right? There's cards that you need to. But, yeah, they, they definitely, that's a great QOL uh, wishlist item. And the biggest thing about it, too, is you have the new spotlight caches coming out. And the whole idea was upgrade cards to get more cards. And you're constantly discouraged to upgrade cards because, like, it's like, I don't want to ruin this perfect variant. Like, I have a inked white queen with blue flares that's just stuck at blue because, like, it matches her name. It matches everything. I can't upgrade it. I can't do anything, right? And every gold I have stops at the gold border because they just look too nice. Like, I, I can't upgrade them anymore, right? I actually look forward to getting alternate variants that I can then start upgrading these cards again yeah, right yeah, so sure. hit me with another quality of life update that you're looking forward to you know i would say really if we're talking ui man all ui like i think the searchability of cards has got to change this is this just this feels bad it's just there's not enough here the keywords don't even make sense you got the you know the, the infamous cyclops in the move it's literally <laughs> just what's on the description and it's like common abilities, yet we're missing a lot in here. These need to change. You need to be able to sort it by boosters. Hell, how cool would it be if they had a most used uh, sort by, right? Like, you can literally see at a glance what cards you use the most. And or it's very easy to find, like your other ones. For the love of God, they haven't added decks in ages. Absolute ages. I think it was Call of Duty that you could buy these two, like... Not everybody needs to have these, but again, I'm fine with that, right? If they want to find new clever ways to monetize that's not like card and user experience. I think overall, this whole screen needs some love. I agree. I agree. And uh, talking about this screen, one of my major ones is, can you believe that we can't rearrange the decks? Like, wouldn't it be great? I like having all like my usual fun decks on the left and then like my top 10 decks that I'm testing working with on the right. And I have to like delete decks and reorder them for my videos all the time because I'll talk about different decks all at once and stuff. I cannot believe I can't reorder and just drag and drop my decks where I want them to be. Like that is a quality of light change that I think would be super valuable because sometimes I have a deck way at the right slot that I actually like, I want to just play forever and I want it to end up on the left so I have to like copy paste cut it and like I use like a word document to like copy the codes and rearrange my list it's like I shouldn't have to do that I there better be in the in this season coming up I swear if there's not a little like other adjustment section 
that doesn't have something to do to address these damn avatar deck the terrible experience they like, just like such a what a garbo it's not often when like things get introduced that like bring changes that make a system worse off like in every which way and this whole thing uh, guys second dinner love you guys but what that what what was going on here uh the the, the amount of uh those little uh unknown shield agent avatars you see now you're like okay that guy just made a new deck like that that's all that is I, I understand why they did it. It is cool to have, you know, I had these different ones per thing, but they, they got to fix that. They just need a default avatar default deck deck uh, card back. That's all they need. Like, look, you're not even using any card backs on any of your decks. Yeah, because I'm just ma- I'm, I'm blowing through that. I know. I know. Well, a, it's just what you said. I'm deleting and making all the time and I barely have time to throw one of these guys on. The only reason these are on is because of the Infinity Conquest, right? But uh, yeah, definitely. I would say the collection uh, system needs to change. Okay, I'm going to hit you with another one. And this one is one that just drives me nuts. And I think that, like, there might be more to this one. This is more of like, come on, Alex, that's like an engine thing, but I digress. Cozy, how often do you find yourself in a game situation where you're waiting for your opponent to take a turn, you've locked in your play, and then they snap? They snap. And when they snap, it changes the, it changes the scope of the game. It changes everything. And you can't move your cards anymore. I like it. I'm fine with I it. I think... I think that if they snap, it should lift your cards back up and you should be able to make some uh, minor changes. No? What? You think that you should be locked in even after they snap? It's just, dude, it's like we're a year in, right? Like, you retreat. Oh, you just get out of there. On. You retreat. Because it gives you time. It gives you a second, like, or so to, to, to be like, all right, I'm just going to dip out of this round. I get it. It would be nice, but at the same time, I think it would change too much. I, I can't believe you didn't take my side on this. I, I get it. I get it. I, but at this point, it's too late. And, and I feel like it's too late. Maybe it's I'm like way late. off. Maybe I'm way off. But I just, I, I, I'm so used to it at this point, I guess. You know, I haven't even thought about it. Because of that in of, of itself, if you're like in a really intense inf- infinite conquest match, you are actually almost required to rope every turn. At the risk that they snap on you. So you still have the mobility. There is no advantage to ever locking in your hand early. Yeah, that like is fair. The almost, roping needs to yeah. be adjusted. I could I could completely... I've brought that up to the devs several times. Like, the, the fact that it's, like, encouraged to rope is BS. It, it, almost, right? It, so there, yes. I'm sorry. As a mechanic, no. But as the roping situation, they got to figure something else there, yeah. Okay, that's kind of where I'm coming from too, right? Like the roping, it, it almost should be like chess. Do you imagine, do you know like chess, how you have like, you have a set amount of time where you could like expire like your, your wait period. And then as you use that, like you run out of chances to like, just kind of run the clock out extra yes. on your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be interesting, but it could also be weird from like the other person's perspective. They don't know how much time, whatever that we're just getting way more complex now. But yeah, I, I would like the, I personally, I know you disagree. I would like the opportunity to move my cards after they snap. I bet you the comment section agrees with me, by the way. There's yeah, almost no way. It's a hot take not. I think it's just like at this point, it's like it's so used to it at this point. So I think, listen, I get it that they are, they have their whole team dedicated for the full screen UI. But dude, doesn't it feel like we haven't gotten a VFX change in a long time? Like a really long time? I feel like just audio visual. I just want audio visual change to get. Dude, uh, dude, I don't know who composes the music for Snap, the Conquest music. Absolute gem. Awesome. Not talked about enough. The music in general, awesome. But I want music background changes. I want a little more VFX. The emotes stuff going on while we're at it. Mute all for the love of God. And the fact that I have to mute some guy that's spamming the every time with like a whatever uh, every conquest <laughs> round. That 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 probably should change. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the mute all would definitely be valuable. And uh, I'm just gonna throw out a bonus one too, because I'm the kind of person that loves to emote people's uh, cards. Like we have a, an inked, cool inked or whatever, or a gold card. I love to emote it. And the, the, the friggin' emote like button is overlapping the end turn button. Do you know how often I go to emote on someone's card and I actually just end my turn without even playing anything? No. I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Oh, man. It happens on stream all the time. Conquest match, gold conquest. I'm like, oh, he played an ink card. I go to like tap or like hit the button it just ends the turn i'm like oh, you gotta be kidding me but cozy at the end of the day we're playing an absolutely fantastic game and i can't wait to see the future of marvel snap but i can't wait for the pc ui it's been the thing that i've been waiting for so long i'm glad i'm glad that they don't have enough resources to do anything else other than make the pc ui absolutely perfect cozy Guys, thank you for coming to another version of the snapchat good luck in the new season on the ladder and conquest and as always guys until the next one happy snapping